So, as Ellen mentioned, I'm Tom, uh, Tom Snow. I serve here at CBC. And uh, we're on week three of this theme, Where Do We Grow From Here? And if you want to catch up on the first couple of talks, you can do that from our website, from the download section. So today we're on practice and principles. Sounds really exciting, doesn't it? And I'm going to focus on one important aspect of that, is where do we come in personally as regards where do we grow from here? What part should each of us play to bring more people to know Christ? Now, if you come regularly to CBC, you'll know quite a bit about where do we grow from here, which shares a distinction with what would Jesus do, but actually it's going to take less time for me to say it than to give you the acronym. But if you, if you don't come here regularly, let me give you a little background. And if you do know all this, then just please bear with me. Now, as many of you will know, our church aim here at CBC is for people to commit to and become more like Christ. For those who already believe, that involves lots of things. But at its heart is obeying what Jesus tells us to do and trying, as best we can, to live day by day as Jesus would want us to do. And we call that whole life discipleship. Now, Sunday is only part of where and when we practice our faith. To be more like Jesus, we must, we must be more like him in every aspect of our life and all week long. So Sunday is important, it's still very important, as are our Bible studies, our prayers, our home groups. But Sunday's not the whole thing. It's more like the half-time team talk where we can regroup, refocus, recharge. And our whole life discipleship certainly involves thinking and doing something about those who don't yet believe, who have yet to commit to Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, towards the end of the Gospel, Jesus tells us that we, all of us, are to make disciples, to share Jesus with others. And Romans 10, 13 and 14 poses some important questions. How can Jesus save and change lives if people haven't heard of him? Or don't know the real Jesus. And how are they going to hear about Jesus if we don't tell them? So sharing Jesus with others is very much a part of whole life discipleship. And sharing Jesus with others is what Where Do We Grow From Here is all about. Which brings us to a second aspect of our theme. Alternative gatherings or missional communities. Some people are unlikely to ever come into CBC or indeed any other church. They just won't. We probably all know someone like that. So if we're going to obey Jesus and share all the blessings of knowing him and following him, we need to find different ways to reach them. And one way of doing this is alternative gatherings. And I found my little Ujima flip now. And here are ours at CBC. Again, many of you will know all about this. Many of you will be involved in one of them. But again, let me just go through them quickly. The idea is that one Sunday in every month, some of us believers choose to skip the morning service. That's the easy bit. That was a joke. <laughs> Even though you didn't laugh. And we choose to spend some time outside the church building sharing our faith with those that don't yet know Jesus in hopefully a fun way that often involves cake. Now, on the first Sunday of the month, 
We have walk and talk, which is the one I'm involved in, which pretty much does as it says on the tin. We meet at Parkland Shop, generally to share cars. We have a short drive, and then we have a nice walk in God's amazing creation. Eat some cake, chat, and have a short talk about Jesus. Also on the first Sunday, we have Heart for Parklands and Sunday lunch. Heart for Parklands visits local residents who find it difficult to get out, while Sunday lunch, first Sunday lunch, provides a hot meal for the homeless in the city. On the second Sunday, we have Cedar Ministry, which visits local care homes, and we have Common Threads, who meet to share their passion for all things sewing and crocheting and knitting, and Mud, Sweat and Gears meet to mountain bike. On the third Sunday, such as today, as uh, Ellen's already mentioned, we have Sports Plus meeting at the College Sports Centre for a morning of family fun. And a little later, we'll have Sunday lunch again, cooked for the homeless. And then on the fourth Sunday, early birdies meet to catch the worm or maybe a bacon butty and to play golf. Now, all of our alternative gatherings are aimed at having fun but are there to share Jesus. They're not the only way that CBC seeks to do this. We have many other groups. We have our Acorns, our toddler and parents group, our various children's and youth groups, lunch club, our debt counselling service, Christians Against Poverty, and, as was mentioned earlier, our noise project, which uh, happens soon. Now, if you want to know more about any of these, do ask at the information desk or just ask one of us afterwards. But most importantly please be thinking and praying about who you can invite to one of our groups. Remembering those questions posed in Romans, how will they know if nobody tells them? And at the moment, we're also thinking about another possible grouping. On most Sundays here at CBC, despite our alternative gatherings, we're very busy and we're very full. So busy and full that it's affecting what we'd ideally like to do, particularly in our children's groups. And we've also noticed over the last few years we're having more and more people come here from Bosham and the surrounding areas such as Emsworth and Fishbourne. So as a church, we've been prayerfully exploring whether there might be an answer to this in starting something new around the Bosham area. And as a next step, we've booked Bosham Village Hall uh, for the 2nd of June in the morning, and we're asking CBCers who come from those areas if they'll join us there so that we can prayerfully explore this a bit more and talk about it. Now, if you live in Bosham, Emsworth, or Fishbourne, you should have already received an invite. If you haven't, then please let us know. And if you have, it would be great if you could reply to that whether you can come or not. Uh, we need to know numbers, and it would also be good to get any initial thoughts there's more details in the news sheet, and again, if you have any questions, just ask. Two important points to note. Nothing has been decided. We're still looking for God's steer on this, and nothing is compulsory. So thank you for all those who knew that. Thank you for your patience. Hopefully a few more know more about it. So we're now going to have our passage, which David is going to bring to us. Good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me? The reading this morning <coughs> is taken from John's Gospel. Thank you. Uh, chapter 14, 
reading from verses 1 to 21. These are words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that would be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will bear, be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also see me. I beg your pardon, because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Praise be to God. Thank you, David. So these, these verses uh, contain great comfort and reassurance, and perhaps that's why they're quite frequently chosen as a text at funerals. Indeed, I chose them uh, for my mother's funeral. And it's a great comfort to know that God's house has many rooms. 
more than enough room for everyone who chooses to believe in Jesus. But they also contain great challenge. We have to do the works of Jesus. We have to do great things. Now, the disciples must have needed some assurance at this stage, given what had just happened and what was about to happen. A little earlier in chapter 12, Jesus had told them again about his impending death, his crucifixion. And at that meal in chapter 13, he had predicted Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial, and again told them that he would soon be leaving them and that they couldn't come with him. Now, they had left everything to follow Jesus. They'd left their homes, they'd left their jobs, left their families and their synagogues. And now the future seemed very uncertain. Everything seemed to be falling apart. So I think I would have needed reassurance as well. Rather than victory, the death Jesus talked about looked like defeat. So what can we take from these packed verses? Well, can I suggest the following? We can take Jesus at his word. Our hearts need not be troubled. Now, many of us in this room will know from personal experience, becoming a Christian uh, does not mean you're isolated from the troubles of the world. We have our fair share of all those troubles, of illnesses, of disappointments, of injustice. But whatever you're going through, or whatever you may go through, our future is assured. Our booking is confirmed, it's paid for. Jesus is turning down the sheets and putting one of those nice little chocolates on the pillow. <laughs> and he's going to be coming back to show us to our room. We can trust Jesus, what he's doing and what he's done. Eternity is sorted. So Jesus was reassuring his disciples, including us, today, that that was the case. And today we have his crucifixion and resurrection as further proof of his word, events which obviously hadn't happened as he spoke. Secondly, it's fine not to know all the answers. None of us do. Thomas is confused how to get there, or indeed where there is. Philip wants to know how he'll recognise the owner, even though he's been with him for the last three years. And Jesus reminds them that all they need to do is to stay focused on him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you know Jesus, then you know God. If you know Jesus, you know enough. Of course, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try and find out more. And then thirdly, Jesus tells them, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. There's that challenge. We need to do his works, great works. Now, we could get bogged down in the words greater and anything. How can we do greater things than Jesus? And anything in my name? Well, I've asked for things, good things, and they haven't happened. But what we ask for has to glorify God, to be consistent with his character and his will. And sometimes even things that we consider good might not pass that test, however good they may seem, however strange that might seem. God knows everything. We don't. We won't always be able to understand God's decisions or even like them. But one day we might. And we have the comfort that he'll always be fair and he'll always be right however it seems. 
And of course, we can't do greater things than Jesus. Maybe it's a reference to the great things his impending crucifixion will enable to happen. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the spread of Christianity to the whole world. But whatever it means, we can say that staying focused on him, we can do great things, important things, all of us. And one of those great things he asks us to do is to keep his commands, and by doing so, prove we love him. Taking him at his word, even when we don't understand, when we don't even agree, is proof of our faith in him and our love for him. Actions speak louder than words. Faith without action is dead, as we read in the book of James. Theory without action is not what Jesus needs or expects. And Jesus promises help, another advocate to help us. And what a helper we get. We get God himself, the Holy Spirit, living in us, helping us to understand, to resist temptation, to better cope in those times of trouble, to better serve and to better obey. So in summary, Jesus gives comprehensive assurance and challenge for those first disciples and for us today. So let's bring our passage and where do we grow from here together. How do these verses help us in our quest to bring more people to Christ? And what do they tell us about our personal role? Well, it certainly confirms we need to do something personally. It clearly tells us that to love Jesus is to obey Jesus. And Jesus certainly wants us to share our belief in him with others. He's told us that passage in Matthew, for instance, to make disciples. He spent his life on earth doing just what he now asks us to do. And we are to do his works. And don't we want all those people that we know and love to have all the benefits we've been given through Jesus Christ? Well, of course we do. And even those people we don't know, or actually don't really like that much, love your enemies, Jesus said. The passage also confirms that we know enough to make a start. We know Jesus when opportunities arise, we need to share our own faith in Jesus, our own experience of his love. In the way God has made us, the best we can, warts and all. Indeed, in some cases, it may be our doubts, our questions, our imperfections, our gaps that God wants to work with. And not only do we know enough, we can be confident, even when this comes hard to us. Remember Jesus' words. I will do whatever you ask in my name. Our effectiveness and our power, our ability, come from Jesus and his message, not from us. We've got an impressive arsenal. And sharing Jesus with others is in his name. He's told us to do it. So his help, including the Holy Spirit, is guaranteed. But this doesn't mean that every time we try, we'll see instant results. A guarantee of an alleluia, I now believe but it is a guarantee it will make a difference. If not at the moment, maybe in the future. If not to the person you're sharing with, to someone else. Maybe even a difference to you. So why don't we practice? Turn to someone near you and exchange in a couple of sentences why you believe in Jesus. And if you don't yet believe, share your reasons for that. I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes. Right, just another few seconds. 
Should have had the countdown clock. Right. If you could bring it to a close, that would be great. So how was that then? Was it exciting? Was it daunting? Easy, hard, uncomfortable? All of the above. Well, I bet we had a range of emotions, we had a range of participation, and we had a range of answers. But wherever you were on that spectrum, you were showing your love for Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, we need to be ready for when opportunity knocks. Granted, the first step to faith is not often going to be someone asking you, well, why do you believe? But it could be. And preparing for that will help you in other respects too. So I want to leave you all with a challenge. With three questions. Where do we grow from here? Reaching out to those who don't yet know Christ begins with each of us taking personal responsibility. The we is only possible through many eyes. And scripture tells us that we are the we, not just the ministers, not just the evangelists, all of us. So here we go. Who knows you are a Christian? Does your family know? Your work colleagues? Your friends? Your neighbours? If not, why not? There may be a good reason, but remember whole life discipleship. And who do you know who isn't a Christian? How well do you know them? How often do you see them? What do you talk about? And what's your plan? And is it God's plan? You are uniquely placed and gifted to share your faith with someone, somehow. Pray about what you need to do. Seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. If it seems right, discuss it with other Christians, with your home group. Set realistic goals, realistic to your life, your character and your season. Maybe your plan should just be to say hello, to get to know someone better. Maybe you just need to be a little bit more intentional. Rather than being vague, perhaps you could, should say, I can't make Sunday because I'll be at church. Maybe your plan should be to offer prayer, to ask them where they stand on faith, or to ask them to an alternative gathering or something else at church. One thing, a very small thing I've taken to doing is I'm sending religious Easter cards to my non-Christian friends rather than Christmas cards. I'm hoping they'll ask me why. They haven't yet, but I'm going to keep on sending them and with the Holy Spirit's help, think about what else I might do and how I can make the, op- the best of any opportunities that come along. So that's the challenge. Let's close with a few important things to remember. For growth to happen, we must all play our part. God has gifted us all with a unique set of strengths, weaknesses, stories and relationships for his purpose. We're all different and yet we're all the same. Through Jesus and no merit of our own, we have forgiveness, the Holy Spirit and eternal life. It would be disobedient not to share in our own way, guided by God. We must, of course, be careful to take care of ourselves to use our God-given sense to rest when we need it. 
But we must also be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. Sometimes our opportunities to share will be unexpected and based on our weakness when God can be at his strongest. And God has prepared the way. God goes before us and prepares the ground. We are not sowing on unprepared soil. In hindsight, I can see that in my life, in my journey, and we see it in our Bibles and in the parables of Jesus. And never underestimate the importance of a personal invitation. Time and again, a key tipping point in a journey to Christ is a personal invitation. It was so with my journey. My wife was a huge influence in my coming rather belatedly to Christ, as was the love, support and teaching here at CBC. But so was an invitation to come from an Alpha course from one of our church members, Mary Fairfield. Thank you, Mary. As a charity fundraiser, one of the jobs I used to do, you had to remember that people give to people, and generally only when they're asked. So who could you ask for something? And we'll get no's. Not everyone Jesus met believed, not even with the miracles thrown in. Not everyone we ask will say yes, and that will be a disappointment. Sometimes with hindsight, we could have done a lot better. We can learn from that. But don't let the no's and the mistakes put you off. God will honour all you do in his name, mistakes and all. It's our aim to succeed, but it's not our responsibility. And who knows where an initial no may lead. An initial no may be an important and necessary step to an eventual yes. And no isn't failing. We only fail when we don't try. We can and we should aim to know God better. Bible study, prayer, church, home groups, all vital and important. But that shouldn't stop us from taking opportunities and making opportunities right now. Personal stories, real stories, are every bit as powerful as good teaching as long as they're focused on Jesus. As some of you know, I'm a bird watcher. If I waited to watch birds until I could identify all the birds in the UK, let alone the world, world, I'd never go out. Look at all the opportunity, all the joy, all the fun I'd miss. And by going out, mistakes and all, I get better. And most importantly, we must remember that God does have a perfect plan and his name is Jesus. Our passage tells us the only way to God is through Jesus. Jesus tells us to obey his commands and to make disciples. Through Jesus, we are forgiven, made whole and have eternal life and purpose. Compelling reasons to share our faith. We know him and we should help others know him too. That's what Where Do We Grow for, From Here is all about. Whole life discipleship and alternative gatherings. Personal priorities and action. Sharing our faith and all the blessings that come with that. More people having all the blessings we have through Jesus. That's the principle and pra practice. That's our challenge. And that's what God has asked us to do. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for all the blessings we have through Christ. We pray your blessing on Ken, our minister, and Sue, his wife, as they share where do we grow from here. 
with others around the country. We pray it will ignite churches and individuals to share the good news of Jesus and to keep on sharing. May it have traction and legs. And help us to play our part, help each one of us to work out what we need to do. Help us to be brave, persistent, encouraged and resilient to the bumps along the way. Bless our and other alternative gatherings as they seek to share Jesus with those who don't yet know him. And help us to consider whom we should invite. Bless our deliberations on Bosom and help us to know what you want us to do. And for those here today who don't yet have enough to believe, help them to ask and explore that they may have eternal life and life to the full. Amen. <laughs>